As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Welcome to the Hollow Podcast. Chad, you're listening to Nick Country Deep Dive with Hollow.com and stand up. Now the time to drop some knowledge. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook, simulcasting the uh, Huddle Up podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime, Zach Kelberman, the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. Zach, we are 24 hours or so removed from the Broncos taking on the Chiefs for the first time uh, in 2019. Are they going to snap this seven-game losing streak they've got with the Chiefs? Uh, I made my bold prediction in the uh, roundtable we'll have coming out you know, for the game, but uh, it's going to be a hard-fought game. I, I don't want to give any su- surprises away. I think it's going to be a hard-fought defensive battle. I think Vic Fangio will bring his magic to the table, but like any other game, it's going to come down to can the offense with Joe Flacco match the opponent's offense, and I'm not sure about that, though. Yeah, well, it actually just came out. The Mile High Roundtable is published. It's live at milehighhuddle.com. You guys can all go check that out, see what myself and, and Zach had to say about this game in, a, in written form anyway. We're going to talk all about it here tonight with you guys, but go check it out if you want to read that. Yeah, it's uh, it's an ignominious streak the Denver Broncos are on right now. And, and in the NFL, you know, rarely, even the Patriots, you know, they are a dominant team year in and year out. But they don't go seven games in a row beating the Dolphins or beating the Jets There's or the or the Bills. There's always, you know, that odd game. You never know what to expect in a division uh, rivalry game. And the, the Chiefs have just had the Broncos number. Yeah, it's just been one of those things. They just can't get off the schneid against them. And uh, maybe they'll split this year if, if they can they can come together cohesively. I don't know. I, I do give them a fair shot of hanging in this game. And I, I do like their chances more now than I did, let's say, three weeks ago. It just comes down to, uh, like Seth mentioned, an Andy Reid coach team losing three games in a row. How rare is that? Can the Broncos be the team 
that kind of makes that history. I just, I have my reservations. Quick hello to those of you who are with us currently live. More and more are filtering into the room. Buana yes. Beast, Flippant Booch, Stuart McPeak. What's up, buddy? Brandon Barrett, Big Daddy Kane, Jacob Smith. What's up, all you guys? Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Once again, this is a live simulcast episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, Mile High Mailbag style, because Zach and I are your football priests, and each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And lately we've been doing it via these, these simulcasts on YouTube and now Facebook. And we love doing it this way. The pre-submitted questions on, on Twitter and on YouTube are always great. You can always send those in and we're going to check them out. We're going to honor those and, and fit you in, but being able to engage Zach with our awesome listeners live in real time is uh, there's just something incredibly fun about it. Yeah, it's definitely interactive, and I like seeing the real-time questions come in and kind of getting the pulse of the, the fan base on a question-by-question basis. I love the banter. I love when people disagree. I love you know getting some pushback against my takes. It makes it all the more fun for me. Quick reminder for those of you who uh, want to get some action in on tomorrow night's Broncos-Chiefs game, if you go over to mybookie.ag and you use the promo code OVERTIME, they will double your money on your first deposit. So go check that out, code OVERTIME. That lets them know that the Huddle Up podcast sent you over there. But Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Zach, let's uh, let's focus on, well, real quick, before we dive in and, and hear what's on the, the minds of our listeners. And as always, listeners, viewers, those of you who are live with us right now, submit your questions, and we will get to each and every one as best as we can here. But I wanted to get your thoughts just really quickly on two topics. One, Brock Osweiler chose to hang up his cleats at 28 years old, nothing doing. He couldn't find any additional opportunities in the NFL. He officially retired, had a nice little sit down or at least a conversation on the phone with Mike Kliss of Nine News. And a lot was made about, of course, his impact on the Denver Broncos 2015 World Championship season in which he went 5-2 and two as a starter and really helped the Broncos you know, win the necessary games down the stretch to get into the playoffs. And then, of course, halfway through that Week 17 finale with the number one seed on the line, five interceptions or five turnovers, four interceptions, I think it was, five turnovers, and the, the Broncos end up going back to Peyton, and the rest is history. But your thoughts on 
your send off, if you will, to Brock Osweiler heading off into the sunset. I, I mean, it was fun covering him for the little time that I did, and he definitely made a nice career for himself, made a lot of money. He won a title, got a ring, and uh, what more could you really ask? He he got out of the game uh, healthy, gets to enjoy his life, gets to enjoy his riches, and uh, he'll always be remembered, though, as that bridge in that championship season to get to and Peyton Manning's swan song and uh, send him off on the right foot. So we'll always, I guess, in Broncos country, hold him in fair regard. The, the Brock Lobster, all the memes that respond with, with Brock Osweiler, he just had kind of a rough ending to his career. But I do wish him well in his personal life and his uh, future endeavors. If he wouldn't have made that one fateful decision to go to Houston, if he would have stayed where he was supposed to, only the Lord knows, the football gods themselves, what would have happened with the Brock Osweiler story. But anyway, let's uh, let's get to some questions here. Take a peek inside the Mile High mailbag, and let's go with this pre-submitted question here from uh, Buana Beast. He says, Chiefs are injured. Eric Fisher, the left tackle, cornerback Kendall Fuller, defensive tackle Chris Jones, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, a litany of players ruled out of Thursday night's game. How does this change Denver's game plan? Will Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey receive an extra defender with Watkins out? Will we move Vaughn around to attack backup linemen, assuming Cam Irving is the left tackle? And will KC run speed sets with both Hill and Hardman and test our DBs? I think the answer to that last question, Zach, is yeah, I think you're going to see them test this Fangio defense. And one thing when we talked to Seth Kaiser yesterday on uh, who covers the Chiefs, of course, for the Athletic, he touched on the fact that Cam Irving at left tackle filling in for Eric Fisher has not been good, beleaguered to all get out. To me, even though that's, you know, Von Miller typically rushes off the defensive left, offensive right side, I'd like to see Vic Fangio kind of come after Cam Irving there with Von Miller and, you know, nothing against Malik Reed and nothing against uh, the new guy, what's his name, Jerry Attachew. But I want to see Von see if he can't exploit that, uh, that injury situation. Yeah, and Fisher has been a tackle that's kind of given Von Fitz over the years, so his being down at the replacement level now is uh, certainly a boon for the Broncos' defense. I'm with you. You always have to exploit the the biggest weakness of a team, same as when Isaac Adams in a game, that's who the, the opponents attack through the air. I like to see, uh, you know, obviously you can't blitz Mahomes too much. you got to kind of play him a little uh, conservatively because he is so dangerous. He has some weapons in that uh, in that offensive uh, grouping there. Even with uh, Sammy Watkins out, he still has McCole Hardman, has Tyreek Hill, he has uh, uh, Sean McCoy, and he's still Patrick Mahomes. So even though the injuries do level the playing field a little bit, they're still a very dangerous team who the Broncos have to account for on every single play. The key with Mahomes is, I mean, he is, I think, the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And we can get into, you know, semantics and the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers of the world. But in terms of just the, the being a, a dynamic thrower of the football, an athlete in charge of the game. You know, he's he's the man. However, and I don't want to detract from what he does in the pocket. However, the vast majority of his chunk plays and his big explosive highlight plays, they come when he's outside the pocket, when he has to get on the move. That ankle is compromising his ability to do that somewhat. I think the Broncos, if they can walk that, it's all about pressure in this game on, on Mahomes, but at the same time, walking that razor's edge a la I think it was week eight in 2015 when the Broncos took on the, the Packers and held Aaron Rodgers to 77 yards passing. They did the, a great job of balancing pressure with containment, and the results spoke for themselves. And if they can somehow find out it's a different coaching staff, mostly different personnel, but if they can find a way to walk that same razor's edge and try and keep Mahomes in the pocket, I think it's going to really help that, that secondary, and it could lead to some, some turnovers as well. 
That's a really good point. And Mahomes is, is dangerous from the pocket, to be sure, too. I mean, he's always dangerous no matter where he plays on the field. But if the Broncos do win this game, if they do spring an upset, part of the reason will be because Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker, or Shelby Harris had great games in the interior, causing pressure, uh, disrupting the timing of the passing scheme in Andy Reid's system. If they want to win this game, if they want to contain Mahomes, like you said, don't let him get comfortable, don't let him escape, get it in his face and stay in his face, and, and don't break contain. I'm thinking we have a hunter here on our hands in Mr. Dylan Buck Elk. He says, what's the likelihood of Chris Harris Jr. staying with the team if the defense continues having this newfound success in the Fangio scheme? I don't think, Zach, it really changes what you and I had to say at the beginning of this season, which is barring an all-pro kind of 2014 caliber season like Harris had back then when he not only was uh, getting all the accolades, but he was a – analytics darling and his star that's when his star skyrocketed into the stratosphere barring that kind of a profile that kind of a a a season as a bronco i i i think these two sides kind of came to the to terms with washing their hands of each other after this season now you never say never but i wouldn't quite yet get your hopes up all right, and the Broncos having this newfound consistent success presupposes that Chris Harris Jr. is a part of that success. And if he goes on to having a, a big season or makes a Pro Bowl suddenly, he's going to want a big contract. He made it clear he wants to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, and that's just not going to happen in Denver. So like Chad said, I think both sides resolve themselves to the fact that he's more of a mercenary, and 2019 was an all-in season for Chris Harris Jr. and the Broncos. I would look for them to part ways next offseason. Long-time listener of the show, Jacob says Chiefs are going to get a heavy dose of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and the power running game. Absolutely, Zach. That's something that has to happen. If there's a, I mean, this Chiefs defense is is not good. A, B, where they're really soft is against the run. That front seven is lacking, and especially Chris Jones being out. That's the that's that's the weakness. That's where the Broncos can kind of step on the throat. Those big boys up front for the Broncos, your Dalton Reisners, your Ronald Learys, your Garrett Bowles, they're going to have to have a big game opening up some holes in those backs if they can you know, really be feeling it, so to speak, and, and be in the zone and their vision's on point. They can capitalize on this, this Chiefs defense. This game, if the Broncos do win, it will be one in the trenches on both sides. We talked about disrupting Mahomes' timing with the interior defensive lineman. Like you mentioned, Chad, getting the run game going and leaning on Freeman, leaning on Lindsey, and, and taking the game out of Flacco's hands as much as possible. Letting him just be the secondary, the cherry on top of the attack, certainly not the primary part of the focus of the game plan. If they do have success, if they can continue running the ball down the, the Chiefs' throats consistently, it would keep Mahomes off the field. It could kill the clock, lead to scoring drives. Yes, if, if they win this this game they got to get the two running backs going it's paramount we're talking about for the broncos <clears throat> the rushing offense is ranked 15th in the nfl averaging 116 yards per game meanwhile the chiefs defense is literally ranked 30th against the run they are relinquishing over 160 yards per game on the ground so and that also stacks up with it's a great point and an observation there by jacob because it stacks up with what I mean, anyone who really knows football understands this in terms of trying to slow down a Peyton Manning offense in 2013, uh, and that applies to a Patrick Mahomes offense in 2019, which is you got to keep them on the sideline. That's your best bet. You got to sustain drives. You got to move the sticks. <clears throat> and the best way to do that, obviously, is first things first, you have to get favorable third down situations. And the way you do that is by running the ball you know, picking up four or five yards on first and second down, making third down manageable. You're moving the chains. You're keeping them on the sideline. 
And then, you know, when you're in third and one, the playbook opens up to anything and the defense has to honor run or pass. And that's really what the Broncos need to focus on is getting that run game going, stay committed to it, try and keep that, that uh, offense on the field, sustain some drives, and then anything's possible. That's, that's the best point you made right there in terms of stay with it. Don't give up on it. Don't abandon it. Don't go away from your strengths. If you fall behind 7 nothing, don't start passing and, and pass the ball 40 times a game. Stick to your bread and butter. It will pay off. If they have patience with the run game, they can keep this game close and potentially even win it in the fourth quarter. Nice hat, Jordan, by the way. He says one of the winners of our Apple Podcast review giveaways, sporting himself a nice, handsome mile-high huddle hat. He says, we'll find out if we're for real tomorrow. And I think that's that's a good kind of uh, barometer of how this this fan base is feeling, Zach, is you know these last two wins after starting 0-4, the Broncos dug themselves a hole. These two wins have, have given everyone kind of a shot of confidence, but fans kind of don't dare to believe too much quite yet because shades of 2018 are still clouding the memory, right, where the Broncos came out of the bye and rattled off three convincing, hard-fought wins, beat two quality opponents in the Chargers and the Steelers, went on the road, demolished the uh, Bengals. Everything, they, they fought their way back into the playoff conversation after a so-so start, only to lose the final four games of the year. Here we are, less than one year later, the Broncos start 0-4. They're rattling off two wins. If they can beat the Chiefs, <clears throat> Zach, we talked about this a few weeks ago before they got their first win of the season. Starting with the Jags game, we looked at the schedule up until the bye. And if, if they can – they lost the Jags game, but which, and we had included that in our analysis. But that being the case, you got two wins now. If you can beat the Chiefs, can you imagine the shot in the arm that's going to give this team? I think at that point we have to really start taking them seriously. But until then, we're still a little bit in that wait-and-see holding pattern. Yeah, you mentioned change of 2018. Even 2017, when the Broncos with Vance started off 2-0 and and they demolished the Cowboys, everyone was talking Super Bowl back then. Everyone was, you know, riding the Broncos as this legit contender, and we saw what happened then. I'm not saying you shouldn't celebrate the wins or this winning streak, but they beat the Chargers, which are kind of a shaky team, and they beat the Titans, which weren't a great team. If, and like I said, they, they would prove me wrong, and they would instantly become more of a contender in my mind. You knock off the Chiefs in primetime, you, you know, you, you go on a three-game winning streak, you, put, you beat an elite opponent, you establish yourself back on the map, and then we take them for real. Then we can start talking possible playoffs. Then we can start talking Flacco as maybe this the, a better quarterback that we give him credit for. But until that happens, Chad, until they knock off an elite opponent, they're always still a contender or a pretender and still proven otherwise. Commander Shepard says Chris Harris is going to be the X factor in this game. Now, Zach, I don't know if he's going to be the X factor, but I do agree with Commander Shepard that he is going to be a X factor because so they got to account for Tyreek Hill. Now last year, the, the team was able, the Broncos were able to, for the most part, keep Tyreek Hill in check. No huge plays, no scoring plays on offense anyway. And if they can duplicate that, you know, you're missing Sammy Watkins. Yeah. You got me Cole Hardman that, that, that they're going to figure out how to weave him into the game plan. But if you can neutralize Tyreek Hill, it really comes down to Travis Kelsey. And you don't want to completely sleep on LaShawn McCoy who's in, and that Daryl Williams, the other running back, two very good running backs in their own right. You don't want to sleep on that, but if you can take away that explosive vertical threat that is Tyreek Hill, man, you give yourself quite the advantage. And I think that's where Chris Harris really comes into play. 
Yeah, he does. He's a shifty slot guy, and, and it's easier said than done with Tyreek Hill because Seth mentioned he brought up a good point in the pod. He, Tyreek Hill, or maybe it was off air when we talked about it, but he's not just this fast receiver. He's not just a speed guy. He has legit ball skills, and the Broncos have to account for that. Double teaming him, triple teaming him, bracketing him in coverage. They cannot let him get free. He is far and away the difference maker in that offense. They were not the same offense when Hill was not in the game for them. And uh, the Broncos, for sure, will use Kareem Jackson, Chris Harris Jr., Simmons, all hands on deck, whatever it takes to slow down this passing game and give their offense a chance to at least match the production that Mahomes puts up. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Flippant Booch says the Broncos offense has been playing against top-ranked defenses. Chiefs defense is ranked 27th, while the Titans are ranked number 8, and we still put up 17 points. How much do you think we will put up? Zach, I predicted a 23-20 victory for the Denver Broncos. You predicted, let's see, 22 uh, let me find it here. 22-16 Chiefs victory, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is the first time, for what it's worth, listeners and viewers, that Zach and I have parted ways on our picks. We started off together 0-5 on our picks. We both got our first win of the season and pick them on the Mile High Roundtable. Last week, I picked the Broncos win at 23 points to, to the Chiefs 20. Zach picked a Chiefs win, scoring 22-16. to uh, 16. So explain – to just just for the booch there who's asking how you kind of come to your thoughts on the on the scoring aspect of you know the Broncos they have played some really tough defenses to start this season they're finally playing a softer opponent defensively you don't think they can get to 20 
I, I mean, they could. I'm just I'm assuming that they're going to stall in the red zone where they, where they can get touchdowns. I'm just looking at it realistically and not just predicting a 40-point, 50-burger game for the Broncos offense. And until Flacco shows me personally that he can be the one to get in the 20s and 30s consistently and put up the touchdowns and not turn the ball over and not take sacks, put the ball in the end zone, I'm going to always give the edge to the opponent. I just think Fangio will keep it close, but the game is more of an indictment on the Broncos' offense and Flacco just not getting it done and not matching production with Mahomes. As hard as that is, uh, I just think they're going to stall where they should be able to capitalize. I can't, I can't disagree with your, your premises because both of us, we've been pretty hard on Joe Flacco of late, even in the face of the Broncos winning two games. I'm, in, I'm, I'm very much in a believe it when I see it from Flacco overall type deal, but... I do think this is a game the Broncos will get to, to 20 points. Whether they end up winning remains to be seen. I, I picked them to win. But my thought press, process behind that is, again, the there's a tremendous focus this, uh, this, this week on keeping pace, staying on the field, scoring touchdowns, not field goals. And Rich Gangarello, in particular, the onus is really on him to design and scheme a good game for Joe Flacco and that rushing attack. I think because this is such a porous Chiefs defense and they're missing a couple of starters to boot, one in the secondary, one on the D-line, this is the game the Broncos, who up to this point in the season, they've gotten to 20, I think twice off the top of my head, two times they've gotten into the 20s. I think they can get it done. Uh, But it wouldn't surprise me if they completely crapped the bed. And In fact, this kind of ties into what Kyle's asking us here. So I leave to go elk hunting tomorrow. Good luck, Kyle. Hope you get a, get a, a bull or spike, or maybe you got a cow tag. I don't know what you got, but I don't want to miss a Bronco game, but I'm going to be an hour from the closest town. How confident are you that the Broncos will show up and make it a game? As I said, Zach, I won't be shocked if the Broncos crap the bed. However, I am confident that this is going to at least be a game. This is going to be a hard-fought battle. The Chiefs aren't going to come in and walk all over the Broncos. You know, there's something about – the fact that the team started 0-4, that is almost freeing, meaning that, you know, all the, the pressures of, you know, coming out and making it to the playoffs, even though that's not been ruled out and two games certainly helps them in that effort, the pressure uh, and the expectations, you know, if you look at that as a balloon, someone popped that with a pin. That's what their 0-4 start did. And in a sense, it's kind of freeing for these players and the coaches. They, they're like, all right, we can get all these this cloud, this myopic, pressure off our shoulders of the fans and the media and we can just go out and do our job there's something freeing about that Zach and I think the Broncos whether they win or lose this game they're going to come out and they're going to play this Chiefs team really tough and really close yeah, in my roundtable prediction, I, I kind of mentioned last year's first Chiefs game where the Broncos should have won if not for that Aaron Keenum to Demarius Thomas pass. I think the same thing. I mean, they might start off slow, but they're going to make it a hard-fought game for most of 60 minutes. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter, and it's either going to be Flacco stepping up and uh, and surpassing Mahomes in this game or just Mahomes taking over. But it's not going to be a blowout either way. The Chiefs aren't going to just demolish the Broncos. It being in Denver, uh, it has some sort of advantage to it. Mahomes not being 100%, that's an advantage. It's going to be a close-ish game. It's going to be a very hard-fought game, and uh, it's, it's a coin flip in the fourth quarter as to who comes out on top. All right, so Commander Shepard is asking us who we think will be the X Factor, and then we have this question from Blicky: Will A.J. Johnson have another big game versus uh, the Chiefs with an injured KC offense? And I, I bring up what Blicky's question is there because I think one of the X factors for the Broncos defensively, Chris Harris, we already talked about as being one of the – X factors, but I think Johnson, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him because he's going up against arguably the best tight end in the game 
Now, it's, it's not to say he's going to draw him in coverage 100% of the time because he won't. There's going to be a lot of zone going on, and we don't know what Fangio has in store for this offense. We haven't seen him go up against Patrick Mahomes quite yet, but Johnson, a lot is going to be expected of him not only to stuff the run and be on point with uh, his run fits and, and his tackling being on point, but as a coverage guy, this is going to be the biggest test he's faced so far in his three starts. I think that the onus is very much going to be on him you know, if you go on a level-by-level level basis, I'm going to say Von Miller needs to have a big game. Johnson needs to have a big game as a linebacker. Chris Harris needs to have a big game on that side of the ball. Yeah, and the thing with Johnson, too, not only in run support, but I know he's going to be targeted in pass coverage if left on the field. And one-on-one with LaShawn McCoy or uh, Damian Williams or Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs are going to come after him now, and I don't think the Broncos would leave Johnson in, in a sort of spiral to watch Mahomes. Uh, to that level, though, I think it's a bigger game for Will Parks to be that dimebacker, uh, spying middle of the field, play some pass defense, you know, come up in the box for run support. He hasn't been playing that well as of late. He's been really overshadowed by Kareem Jackson, and I think this is the game. Like the Pittsburgh game last year, which was his coming out party for Parks, this could be the game where he shines and, and adds some muscle to that front and kind of just keeps Mahomes in check and keeps the tight ends and running backs from doing a lot of damage. Let's And by the way, this is the Huddle Up Podcast coming to you on a live simulcast on both YouTube and Facebook for all of our new viewers who are joining us live here. Let's get this one out of the way, Zach. What do you guys uh-huh. think from Bob of the Cam Newton rumors of him coming to Denver? First and foremost, we have to dispel the rumors. It's not a rumor. It was one guy, uh, Adam, how do you say his last name? Lefko. Lefko, a Bleacher Report, okay, that that spitballed the idea that, you know, with Kyle Allen going 4-0 as a starter in place of the injured Cam Newton, if the Panthers were to take a look at putting him on the trade market, the Broncos should be one of those teams that would be that should be in on the sweepstakes. That's what this Bleacher Report analyst had to say. And, of course, you know, we cover it. It's, it's interesting, the idea to spitball it. But I received a lot of questions personally, Zach, on social media. So I wrote an article up on it. I know you had a write-up on it as well. Your answer here for Bob. It's just one of those those crazy ideas that analysts and, and pr- prognosticators throw out when the trade deadline's coming up, and that's exactly what it is. As I wrote, it doesn't make sense for a variety of reasons. The Broncos are really all in right now on, on, with Flacco and, and being this winning team. They wouldn't just make a, a rebuilding move and trade all these assets for Cam Newton. They can't afford Cam Newton right now. It's just it wouldn't happen absorbing his contract with Miller and Flacco, who they just tied themselves to financially the next couple years. And it wouldn't make sense for the Panthers either with they have a – a, uh, a second-year undrafted free agent, even though he's 4-0, and to give up on your former MVP quarterback without him proving or going through any sort of adversity. And on the Broncos' side, his own team, the Panthers, isn't comfortable playing him yet until he's healthy. Why would Elway pick up that damaged goods and give up all those assets of compensation? It literally makes sense on no level. It's not going to happen. It's just one of those crazy ideas up there with the trading Von Millers and the takes of those worlds. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to spitball. But yeah, it's it's not anything even remote. It's not even a rumor. It's just one guy saying, hey, the Broncos should do this. All right, this is from Brian. If Bashad Breland does not end up playing tomorrow, and he is questionable, cornerback, do you honestly see any of the Chiefs' corners being able to cover Sutton or Sanders? And that's a really good point because they're going to be, even already, even if Breland plays, they're going to be without Kendall Fuller. The question is, yeah, you think, okay, Sutton and Sanders, they're they're going to be able to feast if if Breland doesn't play. But how much do you trust Joe Flacco to exploit that that weakness set? 
I would put that more on Scangarello as the game planner and the coordinator is exploiting that weakness, but it's going to be one on the ground in the trenches. I don't look for Flacco to air the ball out 40 times, even with their injured secondary. It's it's a good matchup for Cortland Sutton for sure, and he's going to get his yards regardless, but they got to lean on the ground game. they got to lean on Freeman and Lindsay, and they have to keep the clock moving and put the ball in the end zone. No matter how they do it on the ground or through the air, they have to score touchdowns, but it's going to start, I believe, uh, on the ground with Lindsay and Freeman. Captain Drama, this is one of those games that, you know, the Broncos, they're paying Flacco some big dollars, and this is one of those games that he needs to come through. And, you know, crossing swords with arguably the best quarterback in the game and the reigning NFL MVP, this is the type of game in which he needs to go out there and earn that money big time. Um, Here's one from, from Jess. Emmanuel Sanders has to go. Get those draft picks. Zach, at this stage, you know, he's gone to, of course, he, he left halfway through week six with a knee injury, okay? And he's now gone, let's just, I mean, to round it up, he's gone two games with, I think it was, yeah, two catches, nine yards total. Broncos won both those games. How, you know, if, you, if I would have asked this question four weeks ago, it would have been, it would have seemed to have been a self-evident answer. However, how crucial is Emmanuel Sanders to this offense now? Uh, I don't think that much. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty important part as being the veteran and being the resident speed guy and, and kind of taking the top off, but he's he's not the number one receiver. That's Cortland Sutton, and Cortland Sutton is uh, Joe Flacco's favorite target. He's has the most chemistry. He's balling out this year. If anyone from the group that the Broncos are looking to have a fire sell on, supposedly, I could see Sanders being the one that goes. Uh, he has a big contract. He won't come back next year. So if the Broncos, if they can get any sort of assets for him, sixth, fifth, seventh round pick, whatever, I would take it only because to free up the money and the fact that he doesn't really have a role in this offense anymore. His pr- production has diminished. Cortland Sutton is stepping up. And I just think uh, they're going to face a more of a rebuild point of view with some of these defensive players, some of these uh, offensive players and these veteran players. And I think it should start with Sanders. I just don't think, let me put it this way, just from things I've picked up in this job over the last six months, I don't think, I think the Broncos would uh, do well to kind of wash their hands of some of the energy. Let's, let me just put it that way that Emmanuel Sanders brings to the locker room and not the good kind, you know, he's, he gets compared a lot to Chris Harris Jr. And I don't think it's fair because if you look at it, I don't think Chris Harris Jr. ever takes a play or a game off. And I think there's questions as to whether or not Emmanuel Sanders does. I think you could get by as a Broncos offense with the model that they established over the last two weeks. You could get by without him, but this is the type of game where we're going to really find out how crucial he is to the Broncos model, because there are going to be those opponents like the chiefs whom they're going to have to face again later in the season and the Houston Texans they're going to have to face later in the season where you're going to have to put up some points and you're going to have to at times throw the football. And, you know, if a, if a defense sells out to scheme uh, Cortland Sutton out of a game, you know, he's been good so far through six games. Don't get me wrong on Sutton, but let us not forget down the stretch last year as a rookie when he became a starter and became the number one guy when Sanders went down. And I mean, he disappeared. Okay. That final quarter of the season. So, I understand that there's there's questions there, but this is the game. This is the game where we're going to find out, Zach, how crucial and how important he really is to this Broncos formula. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
the Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Let's, let's check out here what Juice says. Juice says, we don't suck against tight ends so far this season. Does that continue? And that's a fair point because the Broncos have struggled. I mean, every, it's a it's a common trope within Broncos country. The team struggles against opposing tight ends. And, you know, part of the problem or part of the reason for that, I think, is because there have been some really good tight ends in this division dating back years now from the, the Tony Gonzalez's to the Antonio Gates and now, of course, Travis Kelsey. But Vic Fangio has neutralized that with his scheme. Do you think they're going to be able to do that this week against Travis Kelsey? Kelsey, though, I mean, we talk about the tight ends the Broncos have played, and they have played him well, but Kelsey's just cut from a different cloth. He's a different breed tight end. He's he's a, a huge guy, very fast, great route runner, great, uh, you know, good hands. He's going to be a handful, and he's going to get his yards. It's just going to come down like Mahomes. Are those yards enough? Are they less than what you have? Are the points they put up less than what you can put up? They're going to get their work. They're going to get their reps. They're going to get their yardage, but how much damage can you control? What are you limited to? That's the big thing in this game. Just don't let the stars beat you. Find a way to limit them. There's, there are ways to do it, but honestly, it really does start with getting after Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs are going to throw some things at him. I mean, all that pre-snap movement, the, uh, the motions, the, the jet sweeps, they're going to try and kill him with speed. And it will be interesting to see how Fangio's defense, um, adjust to that or how they they play that but let's turn the page and and talk quarterbacks here zach from jay says hello i'm glad i caught you guys live streaming today could we do what baltimore did last season and put in drew lock if flacco falls off (laughs) drew lock technically could begin practicing this week it was a weird week because of the short week so it as fangio said it's kind of a wasted week for lock in terms of reps that's going to play more into next week. He can be activated and on the roster in week nine after full eight games are under their belt. What's your answer for uh, our question there? 
I, I just remember how <laughs> one of Flacco's first pressers, he was asked about uh, Lamar Jackson replacing him. And you can tell he was so mad about how things unfolded in Baltimore. If that would happen again, if he got, let's say, Wally pipped again for the second year in a row by a younger, uh, more upside quarterback in Drew Locke, that would just devastate him personally. But uh, as long as they keep winning, like we talk about, he's going to have this big leash and uh, the Broncos are going to get Locke on the practice field. They're going to have him in the in the building and, and being around the offense. But until they start losing and Flacco either gets injured or really starts crapping the bed badly, uh, we're not going to see Locke and uh, that happen, that scenario play out again, I don't think. From Deb, she says, can Royce Freeman get one game with 25 to 30 carries without Philip Lindsay? Freeman is a workhorse and is not producing enough because he doesn't get enough carries splitting them with uh, Philip Lindsay. I think this is a game, Zach, where you try and, and feed Royce Freeman. You know, I understand it's, you know, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of a catch-22 situation because you don't want to take plays away from arguably your most explosive offensive player who is Philip Lindsay. But at the same time, this is one of those games where you want to pound the middle of that defense between the tackles with a guy like a big bruiser like Royce Freeman. And Freeman had a great game against Kansas City last year. He carried a bunch of defenders in the end zone with him. He had that nice run uh, that we talked about at the time. But yeah, on first and second down, this is the this is the game plan for Denver. Wear this team out with Royce Freeman as the battering ram. Just weaken them in the gut. A lot of gut punches, and then go for that knockout blow in the fourth quarter with Philip Lindsay. If they can do that and keep the close game close by then, and just wear this defense out, then you can take shots. Then you can open up things for Sanders for Sutton. It just all starts with the ground game. And I do agree that Freeman is isn't it be an integral piece, but you just cannot take carries. You cannot take snaps or reps away. You cannot have Lindsay on the bench. He is indisputably the Broncos best offensive player, arguably the Broncos best player overall from a, a game breaking perspective. And you have to get him on the field as much as possible. But Freeman, yeah, big part of the game plan. If they can wear him down. I like their, I like their odds. Brandon says Kareem Jackson needs to have a big game and he's coming off two games in a row in which he's been an absolute animal and a stud. For this Broncos defense, I maintain that if he would have been active for week four against the Jags, the Jags aren't able to come back and run the ball down the Broncos throats in that second half. He is one of those players that, you know, he's a difference maker. And in games like this, Elway talked about this a couple weeks ago when the Broncos were still dealing with the losing streak that great players need to play great. And I'll add to that in this situation, great players need to play great in big moments. And this is one of those those moments. Yeah, Jackson's going to be integral in either defending Tyreek Hill over the top or defending Travis Kelsey. He's that big physical safety corner uh, hybrid. But yeah, he, he Will Parks, uh, Alexander Johnson, those are the big defensive integral pieces of the game plan for Denver just because that KC offense is so explosive. If Jackson plays as well as he's played the last couple of weeks, uh, that the Broncos defense as a whole should play pretty well against the Chiefs. All right, let me grab really quick, Zach, a pre-submitted question because we don't want to completely ignore everyone who took the time to get their questions in early. Harry says, now now that teams have plenty of tape showing the Chiefs' run defense is lacking, I suspect Andy Reid will load the box against the Broncos' offense. Okay, I think Reid is okay taking his chances with a shootout between Mahomes and Flacco, and such a measure would prevent us from controlling time of possession like the Texans just did. Thought so. Is he saying that he thinks Andy Reid is? I'm I'm kind of confused by that one, Zach. I think he thinks Andy Reid's going to sell out to just stop the run and just make Flacco beat them, which isn't a bad game plan, isn't a bad idea. I just don't know how practical that is. Is just loading the box on every down because eventually Sanders or Fan or Sutton will get free. So I don't think Reid is going to go to that extreme to stop the Broncos' offense. I think he feels pretty comfortable with how they played. 
Jacob says, win or lose this season, going forward, the Broncos need to start to lean on these stacked rookie classes that are heavy on leadership. And, you know, that kind of echoes what I was saying about Emmanuel Sanders. And it also speaks to eventually the team needs to turn the page and really bite the bullet in the truest sense of the word and go with Drew Locke and just give up the ghost of Super Bowl 50. You just kind of, I mean, this team on a leadership level needs to let that go and uh, commit to, as Jacob says, all, almost all of these young players the Broncos have added since 2018 through the draft were either team captains or just strong character, high football IQ guys that match their talent, their their football character and their intangibles match their tangibles. I think we're starting to see, Zach, a kind of you know passing of the torch, um, but I don't think you can really see that take shape without the quarterback being a part of that. And to that extent, too, when, when Fangio talked about that council of players that he had, I, I wish, you know, absent were young players, absent were rookie players. And I understand they haven't really been the, the core of the team. They're still kind of a veteran-led team for the most part. But I want the younger players, the Philip Lindsay's, the, the Cortland Suttons, they're the future, and they should have the most influence, and they should have the most clout. A lot of these defensive players that are around now are not going to be there next year. So the, the, the team's last couple draft classes they had, Elway has killed it, indisputably. They will get a big return on their investment. I just wish Fangio and the coaching staff would put a little more faith, I guess a little more um, respect into their uh, their output or input. Derek says, can't wait to have Bryce Callahan on the field. He's really good. He, w- he was good last year for the Bears, but, you, you know, talk about a guy who's <laughs> who's been on a milk carton, you know, disappearing act. That injury has really cost him. And even Elway admitted last Friday uh, at the Fantennial deal leading up to the, t- the Titans game that – we don't I know we've kind of told everyone we've you know four to six weeks since that last procedure, but they really don't have any idea if they're gonna get Bryce Callahan back this year, Zach. But if they could get him back, man, that could alleviate so much stress. Get Devontae Harris from playing starter snaps to, you know, playing rotational backup role and nickel and it would it would put the team closer toward what the the vision for this defense was for Vic Fangio and John Elway before the injury bug struck. I'm not even sure Bryce Callahan's a real person, Chad. I, I like to know if he's even on the roster, if he even really exists. Obviously, seriously, though, when he with the limited time that we did see him in practice earlier this offseason, he was great. He is that missing piece they need right now after losing Bosby, especially uh, with Duke Dawson being injured. But until that happens, he's still going to be MIA. And even when he comes back, though, he's going to have so much rust for missing so much time. It might be the next year till we see the full, healthy Bryce Callahan, and that would look like a lemon kind of signing for John Owe. All right, a couple more, and then we got to get out of here for tonight, you guys. From Eclipse Stormborn, this one is pre-submitted. He says, happy hump day, fellas. Double question this evening. Now that Andy Janovich has his extension, who do you think will get the next in-season deal? I'm hoping we can lock up Simmons and get Wolf on some type of veteran two-year retirement package contract. What are your guys' opinion? And what is Leary? Is he done after this season? I think yes, at least as a Bronco. Thanks and peace from Philly. Appreciate it, Eclipse. I do think, Larry, this is his last season yeah. as a Bronco. And it's not just due to play, but, you know, it's, it's mostly due to, to the, the contract that he signed. He's, he's not worth what the Broncos are on the hook for next year. So, yeah, I do think that. But, Zach, who has, has Simmons shown you enough? Two games in a row now with an interception. Wolf coming off a game in which he got two sacks. Eric Trickle broke that down on film, and it was – I mean, he was playing like the old Wolf. Are either of those guys now with six games under their belt 
guys that you would consider or you would advocate for the Broncos to get re-signed here in season? Well, Simmons was my my preseason pick to get a big contract or an extension. And when the, the Broncos made that move with Flacco to free up cap space, I thought that was for sure to re-sign Simmons. But I wouldn't just hand out money to hand out money. He has to prove that he's worthy of that contract. And he's starting to play better, yeah, but I want to see that a little more consistently. And they can still get him for a better value than they would if they waited till he hits the free agent market. In terms of defensive linemen, I don't see Wolf being re-signed, especially in season. One guy I do see is a possibility is Shelby Harris, only because he has more position flexibility. He's younger, more upside. Um, I don't even see Wolf coming back next year, let alone getting another contract. But Shelby Harris, if you start to turn it on like we saw last year, he could be a guy the Broncos want to lock down. It wouldn't surprise me just based on things I've been told that if things just, you know, if this is a short-lived kind of turnaround and the Broncos end up finishing way sub 500 and it's just another lost season, wouldn't surprise me to see Derek Wolf actually retire. Um, I, he really doesn't want to play for any other team than the Denver Broncos. He just got married. He just had a new baby. His his home, his life is in Denver. He's a guy that's very much about loyalty. He doesn't want to have to go play anywhere else. However, if the Broncos have themselves a solid season and and turn this thing around and he continues to play like he did last week, he's absolutely going to be in the conversation for this front office to look at a short-term, you know, let's let's make sure you retire as a Bronco type of deal and reward him for his efforts. But there's still, Zach, I think a stretch to go before that becomes really a consideration or a conversation for this team. Stu wants us to talk about Big Mike Purcell. And wow, I mean, he you, there's, there's three moves that the Broncos made on the personnel level post Bradley Chubb's injury that have made all the world a difference in this team turning it around. And it really started with them recognizing that Shelby Harris was not getting it done as the nose tackle at the point of attack. And one of the reasons for that, as Eric Trickle pointed out in another film piece today at milehighhuddle.com, is that he struggles to get off blocks. He can consume blocks. In other words, he can just sit there and consume blocks, but he can't get off blocks to make tackles. And there are other reasons why. But long story short, Harris wasn't getting it done at nose tackle, so they decided to bench Adam Gotsis. He's been a healthy scratch now two games in a row and kick Harris out to his position at defensive end opposite of Derek Wolf. Meanwhile, put Mike Purcell in at nose tackle. And then, of course, uh, A.J. Johnson has been supplanted uh, Corey Nelson slash Josie Jewell as the other starting inside linebacker next to Todd Davis. Those three changes have made a world of difference, and it also, of course, coincided with Kareem Jackson coming back and staying healthy. And So there are a multitude of factors, but undoubtedly, Zach, having Mike Purcell at nose tackle – that's a big reason why the Broncos against the Chargers relinquished only 35 yards rushing and then 39 the next week against the Titans. Two teams that have some really good running backs. Yeah, I, I don't think L.A. wanted to admit it, but as we saw in the preseason, they were getting gashed by the run, and they kind of missed Domata Peko's presence. He was a pure run stuffer, but he did his one job well, and they didn't really have a guy who had that role down. They had Zach Kerr, but he wasn't a high upside player. They had Shelby Harris, who's on a true nose tackle, um, and it wasn't working out. They put Mike Purcell in. We were talking about in the preseason. He keeps making plays. He buzzes around the football. He's just a better run stuffer. He's a better gap shooter in the Vic Fangio system, and the only thing I question is why it took so long for Fangio to make that switch, why yeah. it took so long to make uh, Gotsis inactive, he was struggling. Uh, those personnel moves can always be criticized, but to me, better late than never, it totally revitalized the run defense, and I think going forward, he's going to be a pretty integral piece of that front seven. 
Abdi, what happened to Broncos on twenty four seven Sports? Well, <laughs> how much time you got? Yeah, we don't want we don't want to go too far <laughs> down the rabbit hole, but I think it's good a reminder because I still get a lot of questions from people on social media. Uh, I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Long story short, without going into territory that we probably shouldn't, the the mothership decided to shut down twenty four seven Sports NFL coverage and keep twenty four seven Sports purely a college platform. And so what they did is they rolled that up into CBS Sports and changed all the Facebook pages to Denver Broncos on CBS Sports, which uh, kind of pulled the rug out from under guys like Zach and myself. And we had to seek um, a a platform and a place to hang our hats elsewhere. Both of us landed on our feet. Uh, Milehighhuddle.com goes on on a new network with Sports Illustrated and uh, The Maven. And Zach moved on to, of course, uh, Heavy where he's just been absolutely killing it, still covering the Broncos, also doing the Huddle Up podcast with me as well. So what we're really doing on a day-to-day hasn't really changed all that much, but that's kind of, Zach, the Cliff Notes version. I think it's safe enough to, to go at least tell him that much. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. It, it was just um, uh, layoffs, announced layoffs, but kind of uh, sudden layoffs, and uh, they made a decision to – just uh, terminate the NFL department. Chad pretty much laid it out perfectly. They just made a decision that they didn't want to go forward with that. And uh, that's the nature of this business, though, without getting too much into it. We can take a whole pod talking about the uh, this industry, but that's the nature of this business. It's volatile. You never know what's going to happen, and uh, it can affect you at any time. Fortunately, Chad and I are blessed that we did land on our feet, and we're still able to bring you guys um, a great podcast and great, and great content. Yep. And one thing that's cool that you guys can always rest assured on is that Mile High Huddle has become a – an entity unto its own in the community and the readership and the social media presence where mile high huddle doesn't need a, it's not dependent on a platform. So whether we are on scout, whether we are on 24 seven sports, CBS sports illustrated, wherever we are. And we love being on with sports illustrated and the Maven, by the way, but wherever we are, we, we can exist on our own and that's freeing for guys like, Zach and myself, where we don't have to worry about where we can hang our hats. So it's never going away. The brand continues. It's bigger than us as individuals. And the podcast has grown into something way bigger than either of us as individuals. And that's thanks to all of you guys who are just great listeners. You're with us on these live uh, simulcasts. And again, Zach, we've already run. I mean, we're about 15, 20 minutes beyond (laughs) our normal time frame that we do a podcast. So, and we could continue going, I think, for another 15, 20 minutes, if not longer. But we got other things we got to get to to cover this this Broncos Chiefs game. So, Zach, I think uh, that'll do it for tonight. Yeah, I just wanted to say on the last point, thank you guys. We do appreciate it. It was a transition going from 24-7 and Chad and I uh, going to different forks on the road, but still coming to this uh, platform together. We do appreciate you guys hanging in there and being so active with us. And we're, we love bringing you guys this pod. We love coming out with new ideas, and we're so happy that uh, you like these uh, live broadcasts. Fortunately, or hopefully, uh, we'll have an optimistic and happy one for you tomorrow uh, after the game. Right, Chad? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's to hoping. And by the way, big thanks to everyone who has chipped in on Super Chat. Yes. Not just today, but in days past when we do these live simulcasts, that goes a long way. It's very helpful, a phenomenal way to support the show, support what Zach and I are doing, and uh, keep food in our bellies and a roof over our heads so we can keep bringing you guys this coverage. But yeah, that'll do it for uh, this episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the Huddle Up podcast in real time. Make sure you're following my partner on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. He's tweeting all day long, covering stories, tweeting out links. You don't want to miss any of that. 
myself at Chad and Jensen, and of course at Mile High Huddle. Keep your chin up. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Broncos country is going to be a great game. And then Zach and I will be back immediately following the game with another live simulcast on YouTube and Facebook. The gut reaction, it waits for none. We will be there to, uh, you know, to live through the aftermath, whether it be good or bad for your Denver Broncos. But anyway, thanks again for joining us. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.